Hello and welcome to Game and Watch with Aaron and James, the podcast where we talk about games we've been gaming and movies and TV shows we have been watching. I'm Aaron. And I'm James. And today we are going to have a bit of a special episode. Um, we are going to be discussing the top five third films in a film series. Yeah. Uh, called threequels by some. I don't like that word. but I don't either. Used. For some reason, I think threequel implies that it's a trilogy, but that could just yeah. be in my own head. And it's a word that sounds dumb. So that too, like <laughs> steampunk. <laughs> oh my God. No, we can't go down that rabbit hole. We got to stay focused. So yeah, this is something we decided to do because why did we decide to do this? Because it's fun. And because why not? Yeah. And because I have a serious problem in how much I love ranking things especially things related to movies yes and you know what why not i think everyone does to a degree yeah but ranking movies really like revs my chevy if you know what i mean i don't want to okay (laughs) (laughs) um so we did not consult each other beforehand about what qualifies as a third entry in a in a movie series it might be self-explanatory but i if, if there at any point during this we vehemently disagree with someone's <laughs> inclusion of a certain movie i think we 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 have the right to call that person out and tell them that they're full of shit and they can't have that movie yeah there's nothing <laughs> i love better than calling you out and just yelling at you uh, except for yelling at the listeners i love to yell at the listeners. right but then you also don't love anything more than a friendly innocent podcast derailed entirely by <laughs> misplaced antagonism yeah, yes misplaced antagonism is probably the the best way to describe it yeah uh, also we should probably note that uh, obviously this is our opinion um these are you know personal choices and also we haven't seen every movie ever so if there's a third film and you guys are like well obviously this is the best third movie in a series i haven't seen every movie and james you've almost seen every movie but not all of them (laughs) yeah i went through so i did my list really fast and then i edited it a little bit and then after i think i had it down i went and looked up a list of film series and just like went through as many as I possibly could to make sure there wasn't something obvious I was missing. There was one that I missed, but it wasn't, it didn't end up on my list. It was just something I want to mention in an honorable mention. But one thing I did realize like 10 minutes before we started recording, there was something that was on my list and I'll, I'll mention it as an honorable mention, even though it's not really a, a third movie that I could have sworn was the third entry in a series and it was like higher on my list and I had to remove it because apparently it is not the third entry. And I was very confused and I will, I'll exactly. explain that um, shortly. Well, I mean, do you want to, should we just jump into it and name some honorable mentions? I can, I can start with that one. Yeah. Though. Why don't we do yeah. that? Um, also just really quickly before we start uh, this idea came from me um, and just a little background on it. I think third entries are a really interesting um spot in a series because if it's a trilogy it's expected to cap off everything in a satisfying way which is a very difficult tightrope to walk and if it's just a third entry in a longer running series um for whatever reason third entries tend to not be great yeah uh in long running series so i thought this would be more interesting than first or second films second films are especially trilogies are almost always the dark ones that end you know on a sour note and then first films in trilogies, generally, those are going to be the best, at least to me, um, unless it is the third, which we will talk about some really standout third films. And I'm going to note ahead of time that two of the five films I chose, I don't think are remotely concerned with wrapping anything up. That And they're, and they're the third movie and there hasn't been any since. Hmm. And, and they uh, make your top five. Yes. And, and and my I'm again them not being concerned with wrapping things up is not a negative and I, yeah I can explain a little bit why Perfect. so so I'll, I have a handful of honorable mentions and, and maybe 
Maybe we should save the honorable mentions to the end in case any of our honorable mentions made each other's lists. Oh, that's a good idea. I have um I have three honorable mentions. How many do you have? Uh five. Well okay. Plus plus this one, which again, so originally I had, and I'll say in a bit, when we get to that number, I'll say where I had it, but I had the return of the Pink Panther on my list. Oh, okay. I choice. love the Pink Panther film series. I grew up with it. My parents introduced me to it. I think Inspector Clouseau, like Peter Sellers is a genius. Inspector Clouseau is an incredible character. Again, Peter Sellers is one of my favorite comedic actors or actors, period. And this movie is so damn funny. It has been since I was a little kid till now. Apparently, there was a third entry that was unofficial. I think Alan Arkin, I think it was Alan Arkin, played that character Peter Sellers was not in it, and none of the other characters in the entire Pink Panther series were in it. And it was just called Inspector Inspector Clouseau. <laughs> I didn't remember this movie existed, and it came out technically before Return of the Pink Panther, so I had to take that off my list. I was very devastated about that. Alan Arkin is a really weird choice to replace Peter Sellers as Inspector Clouseau. Don't quote me on that. I'm pretty sure, it, well, I guess I'll, I'll look it up while maybe you're uh talking about your oh so you're not going to pay attention to me is that it you're just going to look things <laughs> up is that how every episode goes i'm actually on my phone every episode okay. and i'm not listening to you <laughs> makes sense i get it it's punishment for you not wanting us to be on camera ah yeah if only this was a youtube channel no i mean i'm just kidding i was looking it up now it it is uh it is alan arkin yeah wow that's a weird choice and the director blake edwards of like basically the entire series was not involved at all either so very very odd i would be interested in exploring that i don't know if we ever do an episode on the pink panther uh one of the pink panther movies but anyway so return of the pink panther was on my list at a somewhat high spot and yeah had to remove it um but yeah uh so we're gonna alternate we'll go five four three two one and i guess if we if one of us has a movie at a lower spot than the other person does we'll note that and then i will talk about it when we get to the higher spot on the other person's list does that sound yes yeah good? i like that all right my uh my number five was obviously the scorpion king no i'm just kidding it's I was, you know what? I was going to say that's a that's a big and bold choice and I yeah. want to why. My my number 5 is Logan. Mm. Interesting. I I would not have thought of that as a third movie in a series, but I I guess you are right. And I didn't at first, uh and that was one of the edits I made to this list. Um it was it didn't occur to me, but I think it should qualify because there is that whole, you know, Wolverine Wolverine's like side movies. Right. And I mean, I have plenty of like, you know, honorable mentions that if anyone out there wanted to just tell me that I absolutely can't have Logan on my list. Well, I disagree. But yeah, you know, these solo Wolverine movies are kind of their own thing. They kind of really existed in their own universe. Sort right. of. Yeah. I, I mean, mean, I I would consider them their own series. Yeah. The Wolverine exclusive. Ones. And, you know, Maybe we'll do Logan eventually, but I'll just say that it's it really took me by surprise. I was really excited for it because the trailer is one of the best trailers I've ever seen. It had that Johnny Cash Hurt cover on there, the Nine Inch Nails cover. And it was like an emotional trailer and it got me really invested in the movie, even though I hadn't seen The Wolverine. I still haven't seen The Wolverine. I've only seen X-Men Origins and this. Um, I've heard good things, nothing mind blowing, but I've heard it's pretty good. I've heard there's it's pretty entertaining and has some light racism. Oh, fun. Yeah, not not great. But again, I haven't seen it. But Logan, it it like wrapped up like a story in a way that I didn't expect was a story like that. I would give a give a shit about at all. Like it, it told like a really gripping story, really, really dramatic and interesting story. And it brought it did so many things that I would have thought like if you had just written it down and said, Hey, someone's making a studio is making a movie. Here's what it is. I would be like, that's a bad idea. And like bringing in professor X again, Patrick Stewart, professor X. I would have been like, I don't know if I want to see that movie 
Like I didn't yeah. again, I didn't care about the Wolverine. And, and but like I saw that trailer for Logan. I was like, I have to see this movie. It looks incredible. And it was. And I think this movie is incredible. So, yeah, I uh, I remember that trailer and I remember immediately you can tell that it was a completely different tone. Yeah. Uh, than really any X-Men movie. Um, you could tell right from the trailer that it was telling a more personal story. Would you say that's fair? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the movie does. The movie itself does. But um, the trailer kind of really plays that up. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The grittier, definitely more violent because it was de- the most know. violent Wolverine's ever been. I think that was a that was a big selling point for it. But I think the movie's a lot more than that, obviously. And I think there's some really, really good acting from basically everyone involved. And somehow I feel like this movie's underrated, even though it was nominated for a screenplay Oscar. I just don't know if it's talked about anymore. People talk about the best superhero movies and I feel like more like people. I wonder if like four out of five people would say that Spider-Man No Way Home was better than Logan. I would disagree with that Hmm. entirely. Who's the director on Logan? James Mangold. He did Walk the Line. Oh, Johnny Cash movie. Yeah. And Night and Day, I think was like a Tom Cruise, Cameron Diaz romp. (laughs) One of those, a Cruz Diaz romp. <laughs> well, I mean, but, all right, Vanilla Sky's a Cruz Diaz romp, isn't oh it? Oh my God, you're right. Yeah. 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 Maybe we should do a, a Cruz Diaz romp month. A cru- <laughs> with those two films. And there might be another. I don't know. Probably not, though. What's your number um, five? My number five, uh, you are going to get upset, but I have an explanation. Uh, Revenge of the Sith is my number five. You know, I'm not upset. I'm, I'm really not. I I almost put this like a, as an honorable mention with like thinking like there's a world where if you're going to be really, really, really picky about which movies I'm allowed to have. Like I could see this somehow making my list <laughs> if you really like made the rules, if you really warped the rules a little bit, because I, I think Revenge of the Sith is pretty damn fun. Well, that's the thing. So I debated making this an honorable mention. Uh, it originally was an honorable mention on my list for a long time. But today and looking back, I decided I'm just going to put it on because it's my list. Also, it makes the list because as I was thinking about it, it's it's not necessarily a great film on its own. I think it is a lot of fun. But I put it on the list because of how dramatically it improves in quality over the previous two films. Yes, um phantom menace is annoying and slow attack of the clones is sometimes fun it's got some fun moments but it's kind of a crazy mess revenge of the sith by contrast uh the story is darker the story is tighter even though it does have some bloat and it kind of justifies the entire prequel series yes Uh, this movie existing doesn't make up for the last two but it warrants their existence in principle that's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, which is a feat that not a lot of third films can pull off, um, which is why it made the list. I also uh, think that that movie does something that not a lot of like, quote, bad movies do where they make, even though something is happening, that's in, that's totally illogical and just stupid like canonically or like lore wise, like Mace Windu bringing his worst Jedi's, to take Palpatine, for instance. But like it, it, despite doing something like that, I I would still say that that scene is so cool. Like you're finally getting to see Sheev Palpatine get confronted for what you as the audience have known the entire time. Right. And I think it's satisfying. I think it works despite, you know, how silly what's going on behind it is. I think the difference is that I think it commits to its, its self-seriousness, which normally when something commits to self-seriousness, it probably shouldn't. Um, but I think the other two, Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones, they're too silly and they're too they're trying too hard to have fun, I think. Mm-hmm. Whereas Revenge of the Sith leans into its self-seriousness in a way that works while also having really stupid, silly elements, if that makes sense. It it can have both, but the self-seriousness not makes up for the silliness, but I think it does enough to paper over kind of the silly, ridiculous moments. Mm -hmm. So that is my number five. 
My number four is kind of rule-wise in contrast uh, or in conflict with yours. My number four is Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi. You know what? Uh, Okay. I I think they both count. I think they both count because they're separate trilogies, so I'm going to let it count. Yep. We're not going to end up fighting with each other at all on any of this. No, we might. Um, oh, oh, I, no. I, I will refrain from saying much. You're going to uh, be like, I want to pick Toy Story 2 as my... <laughs> like, what? Well, it, no, or it could... Yeah, yeah. Toy... Yeah. What? Uh, I mean, because wh- because Buzz Lightyear, the animated series, counts as entry number two. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What is there to say about Return of the Jedi? Yeah, you say it because I'm going to hold off. Oh, I, if this is on your list, then let's wait to talk about it. Don't tell me where it is, but let's wait to talk about it. Okay. All, All right. right. Um, my number four is, and again, this might get nitpicky. I think it counts, but it is part of a much longer franchise. I have Captain America Civil War. Number You four. know, okay. So I, there was a, hmm. So I, I, I do, I do count it. Although I eliminated something from my list or actually, you know, so by, by that same kind of reasoning that you use to get to civil war, I almost had Avengers Endgame on my list as the third entry in the Avengers movies. But I talked myself out of it. I think, I think Captain America civil war is, is more of a third entry than Avengers Endgame. Avengers Endgame feels like the the actual conclusion of a long story. Yeah, but I would argue. Yeah, I w- I would fight you on that. I would say that Infinity War is the third Avengers <clears throat> movie. Oh right, of course. I completely forgot about Age of right. Ultron. Well, oh, I'm sorry. I, I meant. I, I, sorry, I don't know why I said Avengers Endgame because it, I was like, that's very obviously a fourth entry. I no, don't know you're what you're you're, you're right. And, and but actually, so I, this is all like a mess now. But all right, so. Avengers Infinity War, if we're counting it, is an honorable mention for me. I'll just say that right now. I, But in talking about it, saying this out loud, I don't think I would count it. I think Captain America Civil War counts more than Avengers Infinity War does. Avengers is tough because it's not really its own series. It's exactly. Kind of the culmin- it's the culmination of a bunch of other series. So nice. you could watch Captain America 1, 2, and 3, uh, kind of irrespective of the rest of the MCU, and it would make sense. You'd miss a lot of context and you wouldn't necessarily know all the players in Civil War as well. But you could watch Captain America 1, 2, and 3, much in the same way that you could watch Thor 1, 2, and 3, and it makes its own series. Yeah. Um, Avengers, if you watched 1, 2, and Infinity War, it's not like there's logical cohesion between them. You would be very confused. Right. And I do think that Civil War pulls off pull, pulls it off well that it makes it almost an Avengers-level story and scope but it still manages to center well on captain america and Buffy. and that's i mean that's basically what i had about it it basically is an avengers movie um i also think what what puts it on the list is that at, at its core there's kind of an interesting philosophical question yeah and it should the avengers be subject to government oversight um i think good movies offer kind of moral quandaries and offer uh even takes on both sides and, you know, the, the moral quandary at the center of Civil War isn't mind-blowing by any means, but compared to most other MCU movies, it gives you something to really think about um, besides all kind of the action and the wit that are standard with the MCU. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it does a little bit more than pretty much most of the other MCU films. Also, just a shout out, the airport fight and the Bucky Cap Iron Man fight are pretty incredible. I would agree with that. Yeah, I would say the Bucky Cap Iron Man fight is, pro- even though it's not super long, um, it's one of my favorite in the MCU. Just the the shot of those two fighting Iron Man and passing the shield back and forth. Yes. I think is probably, along with Captain America picking up Mjolnir, like just chef's kiss, one of my favorite moments in the entire MCU. I I would put it up there with with the Mjolnir scene too. Yeah, I think Mjolnir is like the best. It the is be- the, the best. best thing that they probably ever did. It's for the me, the audience member. It's it's like buildup of twenty three movies that gets yeah. a payoff. It's crazy. Yep, and like and like a a scene in Age of Ultron that many people just forget was there. I uh, how could you? It's the only scene from Age of Ultron I remember. <laughs> it's the best scene of Age of Ultron. <laughs> it is. 
I could, I could, just give me a whole movie of like every superhero or villain just lining up trying to pick up Mjolnir and I'm, I'll be there. Exactly. Um, so yeah, Captain America Civil War, that's my number four. Nice. My number three is Before Midnight. Okay. Uh, I don't think I'm familiar with that. Do tell. So, and this, it got really tough when I got into two and three. This this arguably could be number two, but I put it as three because it is a really hard watch. So to try to summarize the before trilogy, without spoiling too much, 1995, Richard, Richard Linklater made a film before Sunrise, starring Julie Delpy and Ethan Hawke about an American and a French woman, American man and a French woman who meet on a train and decide to get off in Vienna together and spend the rest of the day slash night together. They, they, they don't Getting know off other. in Vienna. Yeah, if, if you know <laughs> what I mean. And it was a very, at the time, a very unconventional love story and just it, there wasn't anything like it. And critics loved it and and i think it only just kind of grew in people's m- memories since then and I, and i saw it when i was in college and i thought it was one of the best movies i've ever seen so and then i, I what i i think i knew it at the time but there was a sequel before sunset that came out 9 years later and it takes place 9 years after the events of the original movie with the same characters 9 years older meeting up again and i don't want to say too much about the plots of these these movies but essentially when before sunset ends and that was when i I saw before sunset there was no before midnight when i saw before sunset there was no third entry but it was nearing the time where it'd be nine years after the events of before sunset and people were wondering are they going to come out with a third movie and they did and again it's the same two characters yet another nine years older that and the story of their relationship is evolving. They're, they're older. And so it, you know, it comments on where they are in their characters' lives. And you get to see these characters really evolve over the course of, you know, 18 years. Which is kind of crazy. I mean, if you think about that, what other film series has even attempted something like that? Not none that I know other. I mean, Richard Linklater tried the similar type of thing with the movie boyhood, you know, right. he he had he followed that boy for I think it was twelve years or something like that. So I mean, you think they'd get a restraining order on him for following <laughs> a boy for twelve years? I think he had the parents' permission. But, <laughs> okay, that's yeah. that's a good first step. <laughs> um, but anyway, this is all just kind of a roundabout way of saying like so. Before Midnight, it's it's a fantastic movie. It's it's one of the best written movies I've ever seen. It is really powerful. It's dramatic. It's funny, but it is it is unflinching and and at times just painful in how accurate it depicts kind of the lows of human relationships and i don't mean like you know caricature like evils or anything like that but the kind of like the the love that two people who are in love can bring to each other's lives and also the hurt that they can inflict on each other um emotionally and yeah, so it's a wonderful movie. I, I recommend the entire Before Trilogy. There's some of my favorite movies ever. Before Sunset, the second one, is probably my top five favorite movies ever. And this movie is almost as good. So that's my number three. Okay, very good. I'll have to check those out. Now that uh, you mentioned all the titles before, before uh, what was the first one? Be- before Sunrise, Before Sunset, before and Before Sunrise. Mid- I was yeah. I was going to say Before Dawn, and I was like, I know that's not it. Uh, after hearing the titles, I that does ring a bell. I have heard of that uh, trilogy before, uh, but I have not seen any of them. And, and this is one of those movies I mentioned that I don't think is very concerned at all with wrapping up things. I mean, they didn't even know they were going to make it, right? Like, they could have just left it at the end of Before Sunset. And I think that each one of these movies ends in a way that you don't need there to be another one. And with the way before midnight ends, it's it's not, you know, setting up a sequel. And I think it's been nine years since they either this year is or maybe actually might be next year. I forget. But 
I, I think it might even be beyond nine years from before midnight and people are all expecting like, are they going to do another one, a fourth movie? And they, and they haven't as far as I, as far as I know. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's a lot yeah. of work and um, they might be sick of it. Who knows? You never know. Um, all right. My third entry again, we might fight about this, uh, but I have Skyfall, uh, the James Bond film. That was another uh, uh, honorable mention of mine. Yeah. Okay. So do you want to wait on that one? No, no, no. Let's talk about it now because it's on your list. I mean, again, I I was going to mention it in passing if you didn't mention it at all. But yeah, I, I this was another one that I, I feel like my, my Logan spot could have alternatively gone to this movie. Yeah, it's so I have it because I mean, it's the third Daniel Craig uh, Bond, which is why I consider it, you know, uh, a threequel, a if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, this is the case of within a series or like the, within context within a series. Yeah. I think Skyfall elevates the Daniel Craig bond formula um, because I think the first two were very self-serious, which we just talked about. I don't think self-seriousness necessarily works uh, really that great most of the time. Um, but the first two were very self-serious and were good films. Um, but I think this entry strikes the perfect balance between that self-seriousness and kind of the fun gadgety tone of the earlier entries, but without leaning too far in either direction and kind of spoiling the film either way. I think if it had the kind of fun gadgety tone, but leaned way too far then into kind of the dark, uh, you know, tone of the first two it wouldn't work. Alternatively, I think if it leaned too gadgety and fun, it wouldn't mm-hmm. work. It walks a very fine tightrope that I think is really difficult, but pulls it off. Uh, I think the acting is great. Javier Bardem is a great villain. Yeah. Um, Judy Dench is giving her last performance as M and she's killing it. She has more of a motherly role uh, this time for Daniel Craig's Bond. I think it's much more personal than the other two films that come before it. I mean, I, they're all personal, especially with the Vesper Lynn storyline. Um, but I think for Bond, this is a more personal film and it has a really dark climax that's yeah. a lot less bombastic uh, than really either of the films that come before it. And again, plays into that much more personal tone. Um, so it's it's darker. It's more fun. Uh, I just think it's the superior Bond film of all three of those. Well, actually, I mean, there's more than three now, but of the first three Craig Bond films. I, I'm glad you put it on here and I agree with the reasons you have it on here. I do think that I could, I would debate that Casino Royale is I'm not going to say better, though. I, I think I like Casino Royale more. I think it's more fun. Casino Royale, I, you know, I was thinking about all of them and Quantum of Solace, which I, I actually like. It has I, a bad reputation. I rewatched I like it, it like last year and I was surprised with how much more I liked it than like one of my previous rewatches. Yeah, it has a bad reputation, but it's actually a pretty watchable film. Um, I was thinking about Casino Royale and Casino Royale just Casino Royale's pacing. I don't love. I think Mm. the poker, I mean, everyone says this, but the poker takes too long. I think Skyfall, even though it's a long film, I think it moves at such a clip, uh, that you don't notice quite how long it is. Whereas Casino Mm. Royale is a longer movie and you feel that length. I think you feel the length more because Casino Royale, I think is really a really fast paced movie until the poker. And I think I think the poker scenes actually are well paced, but it it's in such sharp contrast to the pace of what happens before that and it after. feels slower. Yeah, and after, and yeah, I mean, I, I'm not I, I'm not going to come here and say that Cinderella is an objectively better movie. I, I I do think that I like it a little bit more than Skyfall, but Skyfall is awesome. Yeah, I mean, I think it comes to personal preference. I think Skyfall and Casino Royale are both excellent films um, and excellent Bond films, probably the two best Bond films. So, yeah. yeah. So that's my number three. Nice. My number two is in your favorite genre, Westerns. <sighs> oh, <laughs> really? Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Go on. Uh, it's the good, the bad, and the ugly. Well, look at that. That was my number two as well. Oh, really? Yeah, I That's love awesome. the uh, I, I love the Man with No Name trilogy. I love this trilogy. I yeah. love this movie so damn it's much. So good. It's and so good. I need to set aside three hours to rewatch it. It's been a minute since I rewatched this uh, trilogy. I, I, I might yeah. skip the other two. I tend to like last like, couple of rewatches. I've just skipped the other two. 
they're they're interesting the other two um i mean obviously good the bad and the ugly is the best of those three yeah um but they're real weird and goofy also the dubbing is so much worse on the first two i kind of love it i yeah that's true <laughs> maybe i should rewatch it i could use a laugh like that but yeah i mean i guess let's i don't i don't know what i didn't really know what i wanted to say about this it's just it is so much better than the first two. And that's not to knock the first two. The first two are great. It's this is just the ultimate epic Western. And it's just such a great epic in general. It's it has almost an odyssey like feel to it. Yeah, um, that works. I think I think it could be accused of having a meandering plot. But I think in this case, it completely works for what the movie is trying to pull off and for yes. the characters that it's working with. Um, also, I think the the climax to me is one of the most memorable oh, yeah. I've ever seen and maybe in film history. The song, yeah. The Ecstasy of the Gold, oh, and my all God. of them running through the graveyard. To, it's it's unreal. It, it gives me chills just thinking about it now. Um, and it, it's, yeah, it's just, it's an incredible film. Also, I think you're right compared to the other two. And yeah, not to knock the other two. It's just the budget was smaller and it, they were in a smaller scope definitely compared to the third one um this the good the bad and the ugly compared to the first two it just blows the scope of the first two out of the water yeah um and i think that's why it's clearly the best out of those three and you know daco i, mean, I want to echo everything that you said and you know the final scene being like one of the greatest marriages of score and cinematography that i can think of my entire life and just absolutely iconic and the movie though it is slow. It feels very deliberate. It doesn't really feel like it's wasting any time, but it's possible that I just see that and we just see it that way because we know what's coming and we like love the character so much. But I also remember the first time I saw this, I think it was in grade school maybe or like, like seventh or eighth grade, maybe not high school. Yeah, I think it was grade school and not being bored by it. And I think I had a worse attention span then. Yeah. Even though I didn't I think, have a cell phone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think that the climb part of what makes the climax work so well is that we've spent so long with these characters and we know what the stakes are and what their personal stakes are. So I think that's why, again, this like journey odyssey, like maybe accused of meandering plot. I, I think that's why it works uh, yeah. because we get to spend so much time with these people. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, number two, we tied. Is nice. it a tie? Is it the same? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I mean, give tie me a implies one. a competition. I well, I was gonna ask you to let's talk about yours first because it was on my list. Um, I think unless you were gonna mention it as an honorable mention. No, it was an honorable mention. Oh, it was. Oh, yeah, it was. So we can we can wait. We can hold off till honorable mentions. Okay. Um, you, you give me yours. I want to hear give me yours. My, give me mine. Okay. Um, <laughs> my number one is the Return of the King. It's mine too. <laughs> oh, okay. Let's yeah. talk about it. I nice. was really confused because I thought when you when you said you didn't want to talk about Return of the Jedi that that was because you had it higher on your list and not you were saving it for honorable mentions. I just I had it, so I figured we could wait. Okay, got it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so this whole time I was caught off guard. I was like, man, is Aaron going to come out with some hot takes about Return of the King that I'm not expecting? I mean. Yeah, let's talk about it. It's not even my favorite Lord of the Rings movie, but I think it's the best. I like it more than all the rest of the movies on this list. Um, I was I was a Return of the King boy. Like that's the like for a long time after seeing the trilogy, I'm like, that's my favorite one. And I saw the extended edition, I'm like, that's the best one. That's the best one. And I think like five years ago, six years ago, I was like, actually, I think Fellowship's the best one. But we're not here to talk about Fellowship of the Ring. We're here to talk about Return of the King, one of the most satisfying. Well, the most satisfying conclusion to a film trilogy I have ever seen in my entire life. It absolutely is. I think in general, that film series juggles so many plot threads and characters. And I think this movie is accused of being too long. Uh, however, I think if you, cut, if you, yeah, pish posh. I love the extended edition. I love the extended edition of all of those. Films. I, I haven't watched the regular cuts I since either. they first came out. <laughs> yeah, I haven't either. I, I owned all the extended editions. I watched all the supplemental features when they came out. I was obsessed with those. When I was, uh, when these movies came out, I was just completely obsessed with Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Uh, and I still love it. But it, it, it's accused of being too long, but 
each of the characters and each of the plot lines gets such a satisfying, conclusive ending um, that you would go crazy if if some of these characters didn't get that. So I understand why it's long. But again, even those endings, it doesn't take up that much time compared to the rest of the film. Um, I think it it just has such care and respect for all of the characters in general. Um, and just, I think this film shows real humanity in this kind of crazy fantasy backdrop, yep. especially Return of the King. Because Return of the King, so many of these characters are brought to their lowest point and you just see the raw humanity in them. And then almost exclusively all of them are then built back up by the end. Yeah. And it creates such a rewarding watching experience and such rewarding arcs for all these characters, both within this film and within the span of the three films. It's just firing on all cylinders. And I, I can't say enough about it. Again, everything about it, the acting, the locales, New Zealand, everything it brings. I think the CGI mostly holds up. Yeah, um, mostly. And it's both the darkest and brightest film in the trilogy, which you can't really say about a lot of third entries. Yeah. Yeah. What do you, I, I mean, what do you think? Why is it on here for you? It's, I mean, this is my favorite trilogy ever. And yeah, I would say same in film trilogy or just a story. It's one of my, one of my favorite, if not my favorite, like stories, like fantasy stories, like fictional stories. It's just, I, I mean, everything you said, right? Like the, the characters you've been with them on such a long journey. And I, I feel like it pulls this off and I, I'm, I'm going to sound like I'm going to knock other famous trilogies by saying this. And I think I mean it, but I really also don't mean to insult these other trilogies. But when you think about like characters that you've been with on a long journey, it does the conclusion to that story feel like, man, we've been through so much together. Like me, the audience with you, the character. And I'm so satisfied to see that play out and to see the conclusion. And I think that this pulls it off better than the original Star Wars trilogy. I think it pulls it off better than the Godfather. That's not a really good yeah. comparison, but it, it just, <laughs> you know, it's the classic so, Godfather three. It's so satisfying. And it, and it is as emotionally stirring and dope squirting to me <laughs> at, now as it ever has been. Like I could tear up just thinking about like my friends, you bow to no one, you know, like, it is, and it's one of the best scores of, of all time. I'm trying not to turn this into a conversation of the whole trilogy, but like some of the best music is in this movie. Again, even though I think Fellowship of the Ring has the best music. And it's endings, as people like, it's too many endings. Shut the fuck up. It's great. Every one of those endings is earned and important. Because and you it, would feel you would feel completely robbed if any of them weren't there. Yeah. Because again, you've been following these people for so long. And if you think that there are too many endings, then you must not care enough about the characters. You don't want to see Frodo move on to really the afterlife because of what a horrible burden he had to endure us and how it much it ruined him. It's it's such a tragedy. It's 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 so joy. The ending is so joyous. The conclusion is so joyous, and it's so tragic at the same time. And it's just it 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 hits on every single level, and it's I think, it's just so wonderful. I think really what it is compared to other trilogies is that I feel like these people are my friends. Yes, I don't know what it is about the writing or the direction or the acting of that film compared to others, but like I don't feel like Luke Skywalker is my friend. Um, I don't feel like James yeah. Bond is my friend. I don't feel like Captain America or those characters are my friend, even though you spend a ton of time with them. If you watch the entire MCU, for some reason within three films, I feel like all of those characters are my friends and I want to see them succeed. Yeah. Again, I don't know what it is. I don't know what the secret sauce Lord of the Rings has, but whatever it, maybe it's just nostalgia. Maybe I just saw it at the right time. I don't know. Yeah, but I, I I just love these characters. I just love them. I want them to have the best kind of endings. And I love, again, seeing them just brought so low near the beginning of this film, only to all of them, for the most part, just rise up to these great heights, both like personally and within the world. It's just beautiful. And again, I, I could well up thinking about a lot of those endings, too. Yeah. And and I'm going to try to just diagnose for a second and as a way of playing 
more compliments to Return of the King. I'm going to try to diagnose why I flipped over to Fellowship. And I think that it I wouldn't feel the way I do about Fellowship without knowing what I know about Two Towers and Return of the King, and especially Return of the King. Because you mentioned there are so many great payoffs for so many characters you spent so much time with. And I think that when I have gone back and rewatched Fellowship of the Ring, I bring more of that emotional baggage into my rewatch. And it's like you see these characters and you know what they're about to endure. You know what happens to them. You know the journey they're going to go on. I think it makes the initial setting off on the journey much more powerful. And so I'm going to say I still think Fellowship of the Ring is now my favorite Lord of the Rings movie after Return of the King reigned supreme for so long. But I don't think I could possibly feel that way without Return of the King being as good as it is. Yeah. I mean, for me, Return of the King is number one, but I mean, I just, I love all of them. It's, it's really hard for me to pick one, but yeah. Yeah. Um, shall we do honorable mentions? Yeah. So you mentioned Skyfall. I had that on mine. I have Goldfinger, another third bond okay. on, on <laughs> mine like too. Uh, I have John Wick three, which sure. isn't not at all on the same tier as any of these other ones. Um, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. I'd say that's yeah, a tier that above was, uh, John Wick 3. That was on my list. I didn't put it on honorable mentions because I, I had some other choices, but it became very close. And the last one I had was Three Colors Red, which is part of Christoph Krislowski's uh, Three Colors trilogy. I think it was the last films he made before he died. Those are the only movies of his I've seen. Um, they are not related in any way. They're each one of them is kind of a different story, though they do have like one moment where they cross over. Um, and so they very clearly take place in the you know in the same universe. But they're each one of the movies is named after a different color of the French flag. It's a it's a kind of like a drama comedy that is really beautiful movie. And I would I would okay. recommend that whole trilogy, especially blue and red. And and now that I think about this, I I have to mention Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream World Warriors. I, you know what? I was going to throw that on there, too. But nice. in the interest of having any self-respect uh, over <laughs> tasteful movies, I decided against it. Yeah. What, what, what are some honorable mentions of yours? So we both had Return of the Jedi. Um, I had Thor Ragnarok. Uh, again, just because of what it does to yeah. elevate the other two films in that series, like Thor one, we just did Thor one. It's fine. Um, Thor two is not the best, um, but Thor Ragnarok just completely brings Thor to a new level and reworks that character into something so much more watchable and entertaining. Yeah. Um, so that's why I have it on there. And then a little, you may not have heard of this one. It's kind of obscure. Uh, Toy Story three. Have you heard of that one? <laughs> I've heard of it. Uh, Just because you'd asked me like five years ago, six years ago, maybe I think this might have been on my at least my honorable mentions. It's just I mean, it's it wasn't ever going to make the top five, but the scene where they're almost going to be incinerated and they both come to terms with their own mortality and their love for each other. It just, uh, you know, show me that scene right now and I'll start sobbing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the end of that movie is crushing. Because they all die. Yeah, I (laughs) I meant the giving away of the toys. Yeah, that's the part I that mean, got me the most. There's there's a lot to love about it. You know, I still haven't seen Toy Story four. It's um, you know, it's it's better. It's a lot better than I was thinking it was going to be. It, it it's yeah, it's earned. It earns itself. I've heard nothing but good things about it, and I, I you know, it's a Pixar film. It's going to be at least it's going to have at least a certain level of competence and quality. Um, I just I've been resistant because of how conclusively toy story three seemingly ties up the story so Mm -hmm. i will watch it someday but um yeah toy story three just does such a good job to me kind of wrapping everything up so return of the jedi i'm just gonna say i like ewoks i don't care about all this ewok hate to each to each their own and and i think they're the weakest part of the movie but i still like them and i would say that every other thing in this in that movie is so damn good and just fills me with such nostalgia that it outweighs any negativity that the Ewoks bring. I don't think that like any amount of those Ewoks could, could would you know, I don't know. <laughs> I, the end of that movie is so damn satisfying and just the cross cutting between the Luke and invader fight and the battle on Endor the forest yeah. moon of Endor. The forest sorry. moon of Endor. Yes, yes. Um, and the battle in, in, in 
you know, the Death Star battle. It's just, it's outstanding. I, I would include this, even if I hadn't like seen it since my childhood, I would still include it just because of how much I watched this movie as a kid. Oh, I watched, yeah, I watched all those. I had the old Star Wars VHSs that came out uh, a little bit before Phantom Menace did. Did you have the same ones? Oh, yeah. Yeah, incredible. Um, I, I watched those kind of on loop forever as a kid. But uh, Return of the Jedi, I, you know, it was going to make my list, but I took it off because, again, it's nostalgia. A lot of my affection for it. It's a great film, but looking at it as an adult kind of objectively, it almost has some of the same weakening or same weaknesses that Force Awakens has, um, just in terms of repeating things from A New Hope that they think people like. Mm-hmm. Um, like as an adult now, if you think about it, the plot is the Death Star is back, which is like the Death Star is back. We just did the Death Star. Like it's back already. And then it's not even a complete Death Star. Six years um, ago between movies. I mean, it's been a long would, time. That would be like Captain America Civil War having Red Skull be the villain again. And it's like, didn't we just do that? Um, uh, so that's my only problem with it. And then yeah. we get another Death Star in Episode 7, essentially. Well, episode 7 can go fuck itself. Too episode 6 stars. is great. I think I think if you you need to ignore, you you are not allowed to bring in Episode 7, 8, and 9 in your analysis fine, of Return that's of the fine. Jedi. <laughs> but Episode 4, I mean, we just did the Death Star. And it's an incomplete Death Star. I this just, is, and it's the same idea. It's we're finding the weak spot. This is the most I've disagreed with you on the entire podcast. Not podcast. <laughs> sorry. This is the only time I'm disagreeing with you on this episode. Like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say Return of the Jedi is a top wait what do i think huh what i feel like i'm missing one maybe maybe this is my third favorite star wars movie yeah i think it is uh empire number one number two is rogue one oh okay you're counting that yeah then i agree with that i would say that's fair yeah and then return yeah jedi number and then rise of skywalker number four that's dead last (laughs) whoa dead last you mean it's fine phantom menace come on no oh my gosh no i would much rather rewatch phantom menace it's at least like funny oh my yeah are you kidding me are you telling me that the the chanting ghouls at the end of that movie didn't get a laugh out of you I cackled hysterically when I first. There are so many parts of Rise of Skywalker that are funny. They're not okay. supposed to be, but in, they are. In fairness, I guess I probably need to rewatch that movie, but I really don't want to. I haven't seen this in theaters. I was livid after seeing it in theaters. Like I, I didn't find much to laugh at at all. It, it's I mean, or if I, if I was laughing, it was because of how was audacious it was and how bad. That movie and that's, was. That's exactly what I was laughing at. I'm telling you, when there's that whole uh, stadium filled with Sith ghouls that come out of nowhere, I cackled so loudly in the theaters <laughs> that people were getting upset with me. I could not. I could not handle it. I was like, "Where the fuck are all these people from?" Hmm. Um, great stuff. Great stuff. Uh, much much like this episode, which has reached its conclusion. Well, did you want to mention some of the the things that you found? Uh, some some trilogy entries or film series entries that you have not seen that you are now going to check out. Mm, yes. Okay. So I don't have these prepped, but I can very quickly go through our messages. Look, I can I can go through mine while you do that. You don't have to Please listen do. to me. I, I wrote down three. One is Sympathy for Lady Vengeance, which I already knew about. I didn't really discover that by looking through lists. Um, that is Park Chan-wook's Vengeance trilogy, the conclusion of that trilogy. The second entry in that trilogy is Old Boy, if you've seen Old Boy. Yes. Um, I, I have not seen Sympathy for Lady Vengeance, but I would like to. Uh, I don't really actually want to see this movie, but I thought the the film name was really funny. The Oil, the Baby, and the Transylvanians. Okay, it is a I Romanian Western, and it has nothing to do with vampires. Which really? I feel like you can't bring you can't say Transylvania and then not have anything to do with vampires. The other thing I wrote down, and I don't I don't actually remember writing this down, but I I, I wrote Granddaddy Daycare in the Daddy Daycare series, and I, I think oh. I wrote a question. A daycare for granddaddies or are they running the daycare for kids? You know, based on the very limited knowledge and or memory I have of that movie and maybe the one trailer I watched, I think it's actually both. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, All right. I found mine. Are you ready for some of them? Yes. Okay. 
So here are some, I'm just going to read them uh, in sequence because I think that's the funniest way to read them. So uh, we have the camping trilogy, camping, camping two, camping three. Um, I mean, if the title alone doesn't grip you, I don't know what will. (laughs) Also, I think the range on them is interesting. 2006, 2010, 2016. So it wasn't like they were just cranked out. I mean, people were like, listen, after camping two, we really need, we really need more camping. (laughs) Camping more, two, camping more camping we need we need camping three to really wrap things up yeah um then i i like this one the series is entrails of a virgin have you heard of this no number one entrails of a virgin number two entrails of a beautiful woman number three female inquisitor <laughs> also two fun details about this uh <laughs> they came out 1986 1986 and 1987 wow also on Wikipedia, where I found this, Entrails of a Virgin has a, a link and a page. Entrails of a Beautiful Woman and Female Inquisitor are red links. They have no page. Yikes. <laughs> Were they banned or something? I don't I don't know. I just love that they all came out. Entrails of a Virgin and Entrails of a Beautiful Woman came out the same year. Hmm. All right. Then we have Erotic Ghost Story, Erotic Ghost Story 2, Erotic Ghost Story 3. Now, what I love about this, again, same thing. Erotic Ghost Story has a link in Wikipedia. Erotic Ghost Story 2 and 3 do not. Erotic Ghost Story came out in 1987. Erotic Ghost Story 2 came out in 1993. When do you think Erotic Ghost Story 3 came out? You said 1983 was the last one? 1987, 1993. 1993. When do you think Erotic? I'm going to say 2005. 1994. Okay. So there was a gap of, what, six years between one and two? And then, boom, we had to finish the trilogy within a year. Just churning them out. Yeah. Yes. Um, I also had Escape Plan. One, Escape Plan. Two, Escape Plan. Two, Hades. Three, Escape Plan. The Extractors. Uh, Similar. 2013 to 2018, the gap between Escape Plan and Escape Plan 2. Uh, immediately a year later for Escape Plan The Extractors. Hmm. I just think it's interesting that so many of these trilogies, we just really got to eke out that last entry. Yeah. I mean, at that point, they're probably just going straight to video. Probably. I just, I love camping one, two, and three. Um, the Entrails of a Virgin series. Maybe we'll do Entrails of a Virgin sometime. Yeah, around uh, Halloween time. If only October was like, Two months long, and we can well, do all the horror that movies. Of a Virgin we want. is spooky. Maybe it's like a lighthearted comedy. That's true. Yeah. Have we done a horror movie in a while? I feel like we haven't. I feel like we we told ourselves we need to take a break because we realized that we've been doing a lot of them. Yeah, you know, I mean, I remember Nightmare on Elm Street three. Have we done one since then? I don't. I definitely so. not. I mean, and that was like episode twenty something. Yeah, and we're on episode like twenty four. We were released episode 40 on well, a week ago. All right. And that was third entries, everybody. We're done here. <laughs> we're done.